You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more. Today on our show, I'm talking with Shingo Francis, talking to me from L.A. Shingo, thanks for being with me today. Hi, Brainerd. Thank you for having me. Shingo, let's talk about your work. Um, and maybe first, you're, you're in L.A. It's June 3rd. It's almost post-pandemic, it seems. Uh, mm-hmm. how, are things, how are things going there in terms of the well, situation? Well, you know, it was really horrible, uh, especially after Thanksgiving all the way through, uh, I would say, the end of January, early February. Horrible, meaning the, the infection rate was extremely high, and it was a crazy number, something like one of five Angelinos um, being infected, whether it's asymptomatic or not. Um, so that was an extreme, extremely high number and uh, very kind of scary for, from, from my experience. And everything shut down in the art world um, starting last March when everything um, shut down. But no openings, galleries, really not knowing what to do. Um, and during the summer months, uh, galleries started to open up and just by appointment only. Um, but then the, the winter months were, no one was going anywhere. It was really bad. Um, and now it's really changed. And I have to say, it must be the vaccines. And um, I've gone to a few openings in the last uh, month or so, which has have been a a great uh, a great uh, I don't know what the word the word is a kind of a cathartic experience uh, to be mm-hmm. out and to be surrounded by artwork um, to to see a show where someone uh, is, is presenting work that they've made. And um, I was also included in a group show that opened in uh, early April. It's not, it, it's not as open as it was, as it is now. It was still, uh, people were still getting their vaccine shots and things were ramping up. But uh, the gallery had an opening from 12 to 6. And in a way, kind of kept capacity no more than 20, 25 people at once. It's a pretty big space in uh, Bergamot Station, a uh, gallery called William Turner Gallery. Uh, but that was actually my first opening uh, I went to since the pandemic opened. And uh, that also was a, was a great feeling. But to go to someone else's show and just a couple of weeks ago where things were a lot more open and there were, there were a lot more people at the opening, which was a shorter period of time. And, and to kind of talk to people without worrying, uh, like we've been worrying, was really great. That is great. Yeah, that's, um, that's good news. That feels good. And, and, and you, had a, you also had some, some work up last month, right? At a, at a gallery, you had uh, a show let's let's talk about those works a little bit okay yeah that's the the show I, uh you're mentioning is the, the show i talked about too just now at william turner gallery it's a group show and um 
the works and I have uh, two paintings in that show. Uh, one of the paintings is uh, a series I've been doing for the last couple of years using uh, a type of material or paint uh, called interference paint. Uh, that is, uh, I don't know if people or if you know too much about this type of paint. Yeah, I, I know I know a bit about it. That's a golden color, right? And it, and it interacts with other, other colors and, and looks different under different lighting conditions. Yeah, yeah, golden, um, well, it's got a history. Uh, golden makes it, they've been making this uh, paint that are basically small microparticles and they have a cut to them. The particles are cut in that angle and depending on the angle of the cut, uh, so what happens is when you paint with this and then you apply it to a surface and so then you have the painting on the wall and when the light reflects off the painting back to you, uh, you're getting uh, what I call the primary color, which is um, the color that reflects is the color that bounces off the surface and is basically it's, it's shining back reflecting back the color spectrum uh, that is unique to the angle of cut that is in the microparticle. So it's kind of like a rainbow. Um, you know, rainbows go from uh, purple down to yellow and, um, uh, or green, I'm sorry. And uh, um, so depending on where you stand, relative to the light hitting the water droplets and coming back at you, you, you get to see the, the spectrum of light, of color in there. So it's kind of the same thing with this uh, interference paint is the angle determines which color your eye is picking up on. So the angle of cut will give you a blue, it could give you a violet, it could give you a yellow, and on and on. So um, you're not, this paint doesn't have any pigment in it. Uh, similar to, it doesn't have any cobalt, doesn't have any cadmium, doesn't have any um, you know, these pigments, color pigments that uh, colors are usually ground from. So um, these paintings, uh, I've been just using them on a very uh, white background, smooth white background, and so when you get close to the painting, you're seeing, and the painting reflects the light back to you, you're seeing one color. So now when you're moving around the painting and the light's not reflecting, you're getting an ambient light on the other parts of the surface. And what you're getting now is a contrasting uh, color to the primary color. If you, if you could kind of follow what I'm uh, trying to explain. So there's two colors in one coating of paint. Does that make sense? It does. It does. And I love you explaining okay. it all. You know, it, there's always something a bit odd about this podcast where we're talking about visual art and, you know, you can't see it. There's images there that people can look at. But, you know, in talking about interference and how that works is, is fascinating because it's a fascinating material. So, um, 
So that does make sense. And, and, and of course, for painters, they can, they can get the material and experiment themselves and see. But let's talk about also how you're using it. These are, mm-hmm. are kind of large fields of color. Um, and you've been doing that for a while. But uh, we could either talk about it in the context of, of, of what's happened last year, if that's shifted your practice at all, or just the one or two pieces in that show. Um, well, let me ask that. Has, has your, your palette or anything changed over the last year, uh, whether or not that was influenced or not by the, by the pandemic? Uh, yeah. Uh, this pandemic gave me time to slow down and, and work on, ex- like, kind of experiment um, on things that I have been kind of swirling in my head. Um, so up until now with the interference paint, I was painting them on a white, uh, smooth surface and, um, doing kind of geometric shapes. And, um, so that white gives you, gave you a neutral background so you could see the, see the shift of the two, uh, colors, the primary and the contrasting colors go back and forth in a very subtle way, um, so what I've been doing recently and did during the pandemic, I wanted to put a, a color field, just a, just one color in the background and place the interference on top of that. Um, and not necessarily to cover up the, you know, any gesture or, or any part of the painting. A lot of, I was starting to use interference in the very beginning to uh, kind of create an effect where I would have a gesture uh, on a certain part of the painting that using the interference paint, I would paint over that gesture. And then when the light would reflect off of it, that gesture would simply disappear. And all you, you would see would be a flat reflecting light of color. Um, this time I wanted the, the, the subtleties I could get by using this paint. And I, another important part is Golden bought Williamsburg paint, which then manufactures oil paint and interference now. So you could really play around with the uh, mediums in oil paint. Not that you can't do that with acrylics and there's, you know, you could do a lot with acrylics as well, but uh, there's something with oil paints that, uh, and really, you can really kind of fine tune things in a different way. Um, so using the, this oil, the oil paints of interference, um, I put a, a flat background of, of color and, uh, I just did these, uh, vertical lines going, um, down the surface, just just four colors, four lines on a, and I started with yellow because yellow, uh, you know, is very intense, um, and so by putting on a very thin layer of interference paint on the yellow, uh, there was this. I noticed and was experimenting with the with this uh, kind of very subtle yet intense shift that the interference paint would undergo as the light would reflect and then also have gradations of not reflecting. So you would 
another one hard to explain, um, but I was experimenting with having an intense background comes through this these microparticles and kind of giving it giving it like a ambient like an overall ambient light and then within that overall ambient light you would then have a reflective flat color um, project back to you when the light was reflecting off the surface that makes sense and let's and let's talk about the the you know the kind of effect these paintings have because they're sort of you know this talking about interference paint and 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 the kind of essential essentially kind of layers and um and and perception that's happening there these Mm -hmm. are these are kind of optical pieces right as well as uh almost um i don't want to say spiritual but something kind of they're, they're like almost infinite a kind of gazing uh piece a kind of gazing ball or something almost Amira, uh, I mean, I'm stretching myself there, trying to come up with how these are how these are kind of digested, but they're not narratives, right? They're not uh, no. figurative. So, um, so in terms of the content there, uh, how do you see mm-hmm. it? I'm, I'm kind of struggling to, to 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 use words, but it, you know, it seems kind of like in the in the in the context and the history of color field painters. Yeah, uh, I mean, my background is is in abstraction and um, abstract painting, and um, I think there's a a spirit of exploration. With with any painting, I'm not I'm not going to just single out abstraction as being you know. I think painting tends to try to push itself forward, and as an artist, it's always important to try to keep things interesting by uh, trying to make something you've never seen before. I know that's a big, big statement to make because um, the history of painting is so deep, even just modern painting, um, you know, to contemporary painting. It's, it's a vast library. It's a vast field that has been mined for, for, by so many people. For, and for so long, and so many great painters and so many great artists. So you know, to keep things, to try to say, oh, I'm gonna, you know, make something I've never seen before. It, you know, in that context itself, is pretty, it's pretty uh, challenging. But um, it's really the what I'm trying to, as as a painter, um, I'm trying to use. One contemporary uh, mediums um, without getting, you know, there's a fine line of getting gimmicky. There's a fine line of just relying solely on on the material, um, but at the same time, uh, being open to uh, various materials out there that can push the medium. So the content, uh, you know, being influenced by uh, modern abstraction being influenced also by um, more traditional arts. Um, I, I, you know, maybe I could say stemming more towards my training was was more in uh, Western painting. Um, for example, I did a did some 
uh, I had an educational background in uh, representational Western art, and then you mean, mean that's what you were taught in in, in, in college? In, in in college, yeah, and then I went to Italy for just a semester, but it was a really important semester to um, kind of really understand uh, kind of the depiction, iconography, um, and also technique, um, the basics. But um, I, I, what I'm trying to say is the content also, I'm in, since I'm partially Japanese, I'm half Japanese, and I've spent a lot of my life also in Japan, um, a certain aesthetics of the East, and um, it's tricky to bring it, bring that in without um, there being some kind of a cliche, you know, like you know the kind of the Eastern aestheticism or what have you. Um, but yeah, but that's okay. You can make a you can make a statement on that. I think you deserve to be able to say that. I understand that cliche, but yeah, I'm I'm fascinated by that. Yeah, what you're about to say on that kind of uh, Eastern influence, so to speak. Yeah, the, the Eastern influence, it, and, it, and it has to do with, um, you know, just it's more of the traditional um, uh, way of, of working with um, ink, sumi, and paper, um, and creating a pictorial space just with very, very thin, thin, you know, almost whiffs of, um, of, of ink on paper and, and water, essentially, um, and these these scrolls um, in Japan, and then also the architecture of um, whether they're traditional uh, temples in Japan, uh, primarily the Zen temples there, where I really felt there was the space, the way things were so simplified, but there was so much of you to be able to put into the space, like psychological energy, emotional energy, uh, that the space would kind of act as a vessel to contain. Um, and that's something that with my paintings, including the interference paintings that have a, a very simple structure or composition is letting people, letting the viewer, giving space to uh, and place your experience or your psychological uh, existence, emotional existence, what have you, into the painting or have that as a dialogue between the picture plane and, and the viewer as opposed to there being a narrative in there, besides the art historical narrative that is there, of course, um, okay. but a, but not a, you know, quote-unquote narrative um, or a storyline or, um, you know, some type of um, uh, even parody, for example. You know, there's, there's nothing so specific like that uh, that, that I want the painting to... I'd like to ask you just about influences. Is there is there any particular influences that you want to mention in terms of the context of your current painting that we've been discussing? 
Yeah, so the, especially with the, uh, the new interference work, uh, the influence I've had and what's been important to them is uh, the history of light and space art here in Southern California. And artists such as Larry Bell, Robert Irwin, uh, James Terrell, uh, Maria Nordman, Lita Albuquerque. So they, in conjunction with the landscape uh, and environment here, they've created work that resonates with, with uh, what people experience in this landscape. So I've been, their philosophies, their ideas have trickled and been influenced by their work. So um, I would say there's kind of a tangential uh, kind of influence and uh, connection with that period of uh, art history here in Southern California. That it still continues to this day, um, and there's a lot of contemporary artists uh, that I'm friends with as well, uh, such as Casper Brindle, uh, Jimmy Gleason, um, who are bet invested in that experience as well. Let me ask you one more question, which is, what are you reading at the moment? Yes, um, I'm reading Joseph Albert's Interaction of Color. It's a wonderful book about, uh, I think a lot of people do know about uh, this book, about uh, Joseph and Annie Albert's studies on color. It's very, it's a bit heady, meaning you got to really pay attention the whole time to and visualize what it is that they're trying to do. There's a lot of experiments in here, uh, but that's been a great resource for me right now. And what edition of you of that are you reading? And it's kind of like a, almost I say it's like a holy grail kind of a book for artists. Um, it's an right. amazing book. And wasn't 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 the first edition of that silkscreen? Uh, they have a, possibly maybe uh, they have a huge. Um, the the foundation came out just a couple of years ago with a, humongous. Uh, I don't forgot what the the term they use like a some cop, uh, but it's big. The color, the color plates are apparently, yeah, I guess maybe it's a subscreen you're talking about. They say it, it matches exactly the original uh, book that they created many years ago. Um, and I looked through it uh, and it is amazing. It's beautiful. It's, it's, but it's not something you could just lug around and read. <laughs> Right. <laughs> it's more like you put your gloves on and go through it. And, and I, I think it'll, it'll be a great resource to like have out. And then when, as you're reading the text and you're looking at the colors and you're say, you're seeing what they're talking about in, in real color, um, would be just amazing. I mean, yeah, that absolutely. would be a, a reason to have that. Yeah. But I'm, I'm reading the, um, 50th anniversary edition. Shingo, I want to thank you so much for talking with me today. I really appreciate your time and, and wish you well with your studio practice. Thank you, Reynard. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. 
This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more.